Welcome to the Pawprint Pause, a weekly PD digest for Uvalde CISD teachers and friends. The purpose of this podcast is to bring attention to the topics that impact students the most through authentic experiences and conversation. I'm your host, Blended Learning Specialist, Natalie Adias. I can't believe that we are already on our fourth episode, you guys. Uh, so far, we've discussed the topics of growth mindset, student voice and choice, and the value of student conferences. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I think I've brought up at least a handful of times in the first three episodes, and that is student agency. Um, and actually, I mean, really, student agency is kind of an umbrella that a lot of things fall under, so we kind of have a lot to talk about. But the other day, somebody asked me to explain what I mean when I say student agency because it is abstract. And I thought, you're right. <laughs> so let me just take an opportunity through this episode to do that. Uh, my usual quick response to the question, what is student agency, is this. Student agency is students taking ownership of their own learning and working autonomously. Student learning is driven by the student's interests and goals rather than by the directive of the teacher. When student agency is happening in a classroom, the teacher serves as a guide, a facilitator, and a resource rather than a director. On a blended learning site visit in Dallas uh, last year, a few of us had the opportunity to go to some schools and see blended learning in action. And I love to play this clip. I'm gonna play the audio from this clip of a student who had truly taken ownership of his own learning. And when he was asked what he was working on, this is what he had to say. Okay, here's my main assessment. Mm -hmm. And here's like, like what I got wrong and what I got right. Mm -hmm. And what I need to work on is main idea and summary. And right here, I made some question stems. So if we work on that, I made one for summary and one for main idea. Now, what you can't see is that the student was showing us a data tracker that he was using to track his progress. And there's also some audio that I wasn't able to play for you because it's too hard to understand because it was a noisy room. But the student was not only able to tell us what his areas of strength and, and needed improvement were, but he was also able to tell us exactly what he needed to do to improve. He knew that he had resources. He knew he had opportunities to connect with his teacher and he knew what students in his classroom could help him improve because they discussed data on a regular basis. And the best part about this experience was seeing these students make decisions about what to do autonomously. They were not waiting for the teacher to direct them or tell them what to do next. They weren't looking at the board and looking at a list of items of things they had to do. They were making informed choices about what they needed to do in order to reach mastery. To start off this discussion today, I really want to start with my personal teacher testimony. And I imagine if I was on a reality TV show, this would be the part where I would step into the confessional and spill the beans about what really happened. So student agency is a topic that I definitely started learning more about as I have uh, taken this journey through this role. Um, before that, when I was in the classroom, I mostly just dreamed of having students that could do this, you guys. Like the idea of having students that could make decisions about what to work on without me having to hold their hands through each activity was something that I literally would have sacrificed my interactive flat panel for. Giving students voice and choice in my classroom was something I definitely tried to incorporate as much as possible. Choice boards, menus, playlists, task cards, my jam. But it never failed that every time I brought a little freedom into my classroom, it felt chaotic. And inevitably, my students got off task every single time. 
it didn't take long for someone to log into YouTube or start an off-topic conversation because when they realized that I had a hard time keeping up with what everyone was doing, it was easy. It was hard for me to manage, and in return, I would pull back on the opportunities for a bit, like, whoa, 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 okay, that's a little too much freedom, now let's get back to business. What I didn't know then that I absolutely know now is that when I did that, when I pulled tighter on the reins, I was actually enabling my students to be more dependent on me in their learning. I was unintentionally and indirectly teaching them that only I could possibly know what's best for them, and this is simply not the case. Our students know how they learn best and what is most relevant and important to them. Try as we might, we will never be them or be able to see things as they do. Hindsight is 2020, and I am seeing clearer than I ever have. We as teachers must be intentional in giving our students opportunities to be agents of their own learning. Your students are not going to come to you ready to do this, guys. So let's just start there, okay? You getting frustrated about how they can't or don't know how to work autonomously doesn't do anything for anyone. You may have a few students that are intrinsically motivated by success or that have parents that extrinsically motivate them to get good grades, but the reality is that most of your students are not going to have this motivation. This is the hardest part for us as teachers to be reflective about. And I talk a lot about circle of control and the topic of student agency is something that I think historically teachers have seen as something that is out of our circle of control. We think that either our students have it or they don't. They, they either have that motivation or they don't, but that's not true. Can we control whether or not our students are intrinsically motivated? Absolutely not. But we can generate extrinsic motivation for them by connecting their learning to their lives and their goals. We have the power to create this environment and we have the power to set the course for the students. We have the power to empower them to take ownership of their own learning. But just the same, we have the power to do the things that we've always done and spend the year frustrated with the things that our students can't do rather than motivate them to do the things that they need to do in order to be successful in life. I met a super smart and very sweet instructional technology specialist from Longview at the TCA annual convention this year in February named Allie Worsham. And Allie told me that her motto is teach like Google exists. And I had to ask her to explain it to me because it took me a minute. <laughs> she explained to me that she has conversations with teachers about how we have to stop teaching like students don't have a literal computer in their hands at any given moment and start to focus our energy on creating authentic experiences for students to discover the content and the learning on their own. She said, if students can Google something, we shouldn't spend hours of our planning time packaging it for them. Let them discover it on their own and then let's focus our energy on giving them opportunities to make the connections. And I loved this concept and Catlin Tucker talks about it in chapter three of her book, Balance with Blended Learning Two. She challenges teachers to reflect on who is doing the work in our classrooms, which I talked a little bit about last week. She says that in order for teachers to make the room for technology and blended learning, they must assess how they are currently doing their jobs. So I will ask you the questions that Catlin poses. Where are you investing your time and energy? Is that investment paying off? Are the aspects of your job that you invest your time into energizing or draining? If you could spend less time doing one aspect of your job, what would it be? If you could spend more time doing one aspect of your job, what would it be? I know that during my time in the classroom, my favorite memories are from the interactions, the conversations, and the relationships that I have with my students. And I'll bet the same is true for you. That's where I would want to spend my time and energy. Catlin goes on to say, in the last five years, I've made the conscious decision to pass any of these responsibilities on to my students as possible. My decision was not motivated by laziness or my inability to do these tasks. Instead, I wanted to free myself to invest my finite time and energy into the aspects of my work that are most rewarding and have the biggest impact on student learning, 
like designing engaging learning experiences, providing real-time feedback, and working one-on-one with students. She says that we have conditioned students to be passive in the classroom. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this spoke to my soul. How amazing would it be to spend your day in your classroom where you could focus on the things that bring you the most joy and have the biggest impact? How often have you found yourself wishing that you could spend more time building relationships, connecting with students, and working with small groups rather than grading papers, making phone calls, making copies, and recording videos? Building student agency has to be intentional, and it's going to take a shift in thinking to make it happen. Catlin believes that students must be actively involved in their own process of learning in order to be able to own it. She says when teachers relinquish their traditional roles as experts and fountains of knowledge, it's easier to invite students into the process of learning in the classroom. Shifting the responsibility for work to the students can aid them in developing a much deeper understanding of the content and of themselves. One of the suggestions Catlin offers for beginning to shift our approach is reframing the question, how can I, to how can my students? And this is where we start to give students some skin in the game, guys. One example she shared in this chapter is of a time when her students needed more academic vocabulary instruction. Instead of spending her time recording her videos that students were likely to just click through and barely watch in order to meet a requirement set by her, she flipped the workflow and had students pair up and record videos teaching their classmates the academic vocabulary themselves. She says that she had them insert their videos into a shared Google slide presentation so that all the videos were in one location. That gave students the opportunity to collaborate, think critically, create, and share so that everyone could watch the videos and learn the vocabulary. Students also generated their own practice using Quizlet. They made flashcards and study games to review the words. It was a simple shift that saved her a ton of time, and the result was a more meaningful learning experience for her students. One thing that Catlin brings attention to that I think is really important to note here is that this shift in a mindset is going to be hard, and it's because traditionally teachers' instincts tell us that we have to do it all, that we're the ones that are supposed to do everything. We almost feel guilty when we have to pass those tasks on to our students. But again, when we don't do that, we're robbing them of the learning that happens through the process and not just through the content. We have the responsibility to not only teach our students the curricular content required by the standards, but we also have the moral responsibility of teaching our students how to take their own responsibility, how to take ownership and how to be agents of their own lives and not just their own learning. It's not enough to say, well, the parents don't care because, and guys, in my time in education, I found that statement doesn't do anything but generate negativity. One, because it is a generalization and I have rarely found those to be true. And two, because it just puts the blame somewhere else. And we have got to stop trying to put the blame somewhere else and start taking responsibility for what we do have control over. You have control over how you engage students and set them up for success in your class. Telling them is not teaching them. And you can tell your students to do their work all day, but if they don't understand the value in what they're doing, then your words are futile. Student agency can look a lot of different ways, so it's important to understand that it is not a cookie-cutter approach or term. Start thinking of ways that you can flip the workflow in your class today, especially in the concurrent classroom. I'm sure you can think of lots of creative ways to empower your students to own what they are doing. I know a lot of you have done it already. Uh, we've got access to tons of digital tools that support student agency like Edpuzzle, Flipgrid, Nearpod, Schoology, IXL, the Google Apps. There's tons of stuff. This process is not going to happen with the click of a button. It's about the baby steps, y'all. One easy way that you can get started helping your students get some skin in the game is by bringing in student-facing data trackers. These are trackers that are meant to be completed by the student and updated on a regular basis. Um, I will definitely link... Uh, one that you can make a copy of in the description of this episode. 
I would highly recommend that you consider pairing this with a teacher conference to get started too. So if you haven't already listened to our third episode on student conferencing, there's some good information on that topic there. Another suggestion I can offer would be bringing a choice board or learning menu into your class one day and just see how it goes. Guys, uh, choice boards give students the ability to choose how they want to learn or apply what they've learned through informed choices. You can try to offer options that will attract all learning styles and be sure that you use aligned curricular content. Working a reflection piece in after a choice board activity is a great way to have your students reflect on their learning and what works best for them. Your tip of the week this week is to take a moment during class to show your students how to access their student grades in Schoology. Many students have not realized how to do this and it will help you tremendously if they know how to find what they are missing themselves. The way that they will check their grades is by logging into their student accounts, then clicking on grade report. From there, they will see a list of classes with a drop-down menu. All they need to do is open the class and the correct grading period to view all of their assignments for that reporting period. If there's a grade, they will see it there. If there is something submitted that has not yet been graded, they will see a paper icon. If they see a little line with no grade and no paper, this means it has not been graded or reviewed yet and has not been turned in. You also have the ability to mark an assignment as missing as the teacher. So if students see an orange hexagon next to an assignment with the word missing, it will call attention to that too. Taking a moment to teach your students these few steps to check their own grades is just a small way that you can also start to get them taking ownership of their own learning, of their own grades, and start working towards this student agency we've been talking about today. And our quote of the week this week comes from Bill Gates. Technology is just a tool. In terms of getting the kids working together and motivating them, the teacher is the most important. Be sure to tweet out your responses and thoughts on this week's episode using the hashtag pawprintpause and be sure to tag us. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Please be sure to tune in next week for our fifth episode where we will talk with Dr. Sandra Garza on the topic of small group instruction. As always, please be sure to follow at BlendedUCISD on Twitter and me at NatAudiasTX. I love to connect with you guys outside of work and I look forward to growing our PLN. Never hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or need help. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. We are coming up on the end of the quarter, but that doesn't mean that you don't deserve some rest this weekend. Be sure to put your feet up and enjoy your home and your family this weekend before we jump back into our last week before spring break next week.